The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about tough shit on a budget. Um, I have a very special guest with me, Monique. Uh, Her and I met in the rooms of recovery about, it has to be like 10 years, right, Monique? Oh, you may be a little shy of that because, yeah, I haven't been in the rooms that long. Maybe more like maybe six. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be like that. It seems forever, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when we're in the rooms. It's like family. We never met. Uh, Yeah, time just just flies. So, Monique, I, I really appreciate Monique's recovery friendship. Um, I'm a person of color. Monique is also a person of color, African-American woman. Yes. And, yes. and so both, both of us have been in recovery. And I wanted to have Monique on to talk about spiritual, spirituality on a budget as a person of color and um, representation of people of color in the rooms of of recovery on the family and friends side, we're actually going to hear Monique's experience, um, a recovery story, on on the family and friends side of um, uh, addiction and alcoholism, and so and and that perspective isn't um, talked about as much, um, especially from the perspective as a person of color in, in recovery. And I've, throughout the years, I've always enjoyed our talks, our phone calls. Um, you know, sometimes I got to talk to a fellow woman of color in recovery. There's just some, some mm-hmm. things that only a woman of color would know and, and understand. So Monique is one of those people that I call. And um, so, Monique, you, you have the floor. And, and tell us your story. 
Okay, well, first of all, thank you, Veronica, for inviting me. Um, I sure appreciate that. I appreciate you, and I definitely appreciate our talks. They get deep. I'm like, ooh, I love this. So, <laughs> um, well, um, I grew up um, in a family of alcoholism. I was raised by an alcoholic uh, stepfather who was a rageaholic and um, also, you know, domestic violence was in there. So, um, you know, and, and, and I knew enough, you know, he, he came into our lives and I was under three and I was four out of five kids. My mother had four kids when she met him. And, and in the African-American community, I'd heard enough stories around the fact that, um, you know, that there weren't a lot of men in the households. Part of that, and I do go on a little bit of my little political platforms to wear me back in because I mm-hmm. go off on tangents. But part <laughs> of that is, um, you know, a political in terms of the welfare system that really would not allow uh, men in the household, and and it further enhanced the uh, single mother picture of the African-American family. So this mm. was kind of the word on the street as a, as a young girl and me being four out of five children at the time, there was one that come later with my stepdad, um, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, what are they talking about? Because, you know, my mother always had a man, but, you know, he mm. clearly was not my dad. And, mm. um, and so, and then that, that was also the coming of age of blended families because, with the welfare system and mm-hmm. high incarceration rates and things of that nature, uh, again, in my opinion, it's, it's designed to, to break up the African-American family, uh, mm-hmm. poverty, you know, employment issues, uh, drug addiction, all of the toxic, I'm going to call it the toxic stress that we live under. You know, it's not really an ideal platform for raising a family, let's face it. Mm-hmm. So she she left my biological and went to a step and, uh, and uh, you know, and I remember thinking, well, they would say, he's not going to stay with her. She's got four kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, and he's not. She's got four kids. Well, let's be clear. My mother was a fox. She still is pretty darn good looking. And um, <laughs> you know, so getting a man was not a problem for her, you know. But, you know, but for me, having a daddy was like, whew, you know, it was just, it was uh, vital. And so, um, and he, and so after, you know, that I remember when they met, my mother's always blown away about that. I was about 18 months. I was under two. And I remember when he circled the block, because men were always, you know, with some cat calls and things like that. Like I said, you know, she's pretty good looking. And uh, and I remember when he circled the block in this, uh, I won't say what year the car was, but I'll say it's an old model, old model car. <laughs> I will say, I am a baby boomer. Anyway, and... Uh, Anyway, and I remember thinking, are we going to get in that car? And next thing I know, they, you know, trumped off to Vegas and got married. But I'd already mm. said to myself that if he comes home again, I don't care what anybody says. And this is in Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles. I don't, if he comes home again, hearing all this talk, he's not going to marry anybody with, uh, with four kids. I said, I'm calling him daddy. You know, I don't care what kind of domestic violence or anything like that, because I need a daddy. My mother laughs about that today, and it's the truth. He came home from work one more day, one more day, and I said, hi, daddy, and he cried. Mm. He cried. But most importantly, it's like, I need a daddy. Y'all can do whatever you want to. So, But he was the opening of the trauma, 
you know, um, for, you know, the, 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 the uh, chaos and the confusion that, you know, we were raised in and the, um, you know, and so anyway, so that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. And, uh, you know, I, I, at some point I learned that, you know, those, those liquors, if you will, kind mm-hmm. of ease some of the anxieties and, um, so I turned to, you know, some use myself as a coping mechanism. I also recognized that, you know, as a little girl, that in the chaos, even though he came home every day, we, we you know, we paid a price for that. But it was still, I will still say, for the most part, for me, I would say that the good almost outweighed the bad because he was a family man. He was very good to me because I was the only girl. And, and you know, and he did do what he could to provide. Keeping in mind, he didn't have any tools either, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, so we're all just trying to trying to do this family. And so uh, anyway, um, but it led to a lot of, uh, I would call it neurosis on my part. You know, I was petrified. I would be petrified that a lot of times that, you know, the family would be gone when I came home from school. I was like, they're all going to be gone. This is just everybody's everybody's jumping ship. They're getting out of this madness, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um, and I'd go home and I'd check doors and maybe see somebody. I was like, oh, okay, there's one person here. So that insecurity that that comes along with growing up in the uncertainty was very prevailing. And, and eventually, you know, I turned to other substances to cope and, um, and um, you know, and, and, and also decided that if this was childhood, I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. So I was also hurry up and grow up. Let's get the hell out of here, you know. <laughs> so, so I was hurry up and grow up, and, I, and I've shared this recently. And then when, when I did, well, actually she put me out because she found me a little bit unruly. Um, just because I was acting out the pain, and nobody had coping skills. Nobody. We had survival skills, but nobody had coping skills. So I was acting out the pain. Now, in my recovery, I've got language for this now. But at the time, I was like, if you felt like I felt, you'd do this too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, And so... Anyway, and, uh, and eventually, you know, I, I after, you know, all of my substances kind of weren't working for me, I, you know, I was just, I got to do something else. And so I turned to another direction and just tried to seek answers um, less, with less um, chemical involvement. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> less, less. Now, what I did do was I smoked like a fiend. Mm-hmm. So I'm an ex-smoker, and cigarettes were just like I said. You know, I, you know they were like my relief. It was my pacifier before the cigarettes. I I, I sucked two of my fingers, and mm-hmm. after that I tried you know sucking on a bottle. And then after that I sucked on cigarettes, and I sucked on cigarettes. That was the last thought out for years. So, mm-hmm. but they were they were my my way of coping. Wow. So, mm-hmm. so I, I hit a bottom fairly early. I've been around a long time, 
In fact, before we got on this phone call, I was like, I am so grateful. You know, I waved the white flag pretty early on, like the hell with this, you know, and waving the white flag, they, you know, surrender. And they say that's moving to the winning side. Now, that was not, you know, it was, it was an awakening. It was an introduction, you know, to who I was, but it certainly, that was, you know, once, you know, once I put down one of the bigger barriers, you know, now we're left with who we are. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, and so that has been and has been and continues to be a lifelong process. Um, but, yeah, just because I was, you know, before we got on, I was just saying I got to go on somewhere tonight, you know, because we got to keep doing this because I'm still the same person. You know, we can doctor it up or given, given stress or a, a reaction, I go right back to that, you know, freeze, uh, fight. Uh, you know, um, our uh, fight uh, right back to it, just to back to the survival based from my, my childhood experiences. So, anyway, is that is that enough, or would you like more? Oh, um, as you were talking, I wrote down some questions, and you know, just from a perspective as a person of color in recovery. Uh, what does forgiveness look like for for you? Because I've heard your ah. I've heard your story, and I, I could relate to a lot of the um, the experiences. You know, the I domestic violence. Yup, rage harlot. Yup, I I do remember. Um, you know, my first memory was uh, my dad pushing my mom. Uh, violently up against the wall and I don't even know what they were fighting about I really don't the next thing my dad just lunges at her and attacks her and that's my first memory so you know it's like for me it's daily it's a daily it's not a one-time thing but for you like what Mm -hmm. does forgiveness look like for you Oh, it is. It's ongoing because I don't have a clue right now. It's like, what? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, you know. Uh, that, you know, and so I love that. It's not only a daily, but it's not like what I'm hearing you say. It's not a fixture. It is a process. And so mm-hmm. part of that is, you know, self-acceptance in terms of recognizing, you know, my own you know, limitations that my, I say to people, you know, my, 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 my thinking is skewed. It is skewed. So, you know, it comes from a perspective of, you know, I, I'm going to say this, uh, historical trauma, you know, which mm-hmm. is based, race-based, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I really, I have to, I struggle with that constantly. I just went to the market the other day. And, uh, you know, went up there, they marked down the meat at a certain time, but it depends on the butcher, you know, and some of them, it's just like, they just mark it down, you know, and I mm-hmm. love that. And others just like, no, we don't mark it down. And I get offended. I'm like, you know what, if I were white mm-hmm. and I asked you to mark this down, mm-hmm. you would just do it. Mm-hmm. But you look at me and talk to me, listen, like I'm a kid and, I'm, and I, tell, I, point to, I point it out to people, you see this gray hair, that means I'm not a kid. In fact, most mm-hmm. of the cases, I'm old enough to be your mother. So mm-hmm. I will tell you that respect in the African-American community is a big deal. And when mm-hmm. I feel disrespected, it sends me. And I have mm-hmm. to throttle back and tell myself, you know, um, 
get in the car and go home. We're not getting our markdown meat tonight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. I, I I just want to go home. I just want to make it home safe. It, it's not. I have to. This is not. It's not that kind of party. So you know. So it's a process and recognizing. You know, um, the system that we live in. And I just. I don't candy coat it. I don't call it what it is. I was thinking about a friend of mine who you know who does trainings because at some point I kind of worked a little bit in in the recovery field and. His trainings were just always, you know, so popular. And one of the ones he said that, you know, telling folks, he says that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're they're not out to get you, you know. So it's like, you know, paranoia is like part of the the trauma. Mm-hmm. And you know the the micro the microaggressions when you know you got nicked, well, you know you got nicked, but then it's like, oh, I didn't know it. Don't oh, come on. So I just get in my car and and go. Yeah. So forgiveness is it's it's ongoing. That's a big word. I love it. You know, um, somebody says that they have you know some mentors in their lives because they said they need adult supervision. Well, I need adult. <laughs> I need adult supervision. You know, you gotta help me with this because right now I'm just mm-hmm. putting on the gloves and I'm ready to fight. We can we can say sorry later. That's that's so that's forgiveness for me at this point. I'm. It is a work in progress and I'm really trying to do that work from the inside out. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't it doesn't it's not it's not excusing people's transgressions, but it's it's a higher higher ground of looking at, you know, they they're they're in this too. We're all in this bubble together. Their reactions are very normal for them. You know, they, uh, you know, very normal, and uh, and for me, it's 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 not. That's just not been, you know, my experience um, as a black person you know, navigating America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, you touched on something. Oh, today's Valentine's Day, everyone. I am recording this episode on Valentine's Day. Uh, I set it up that way on purpose, <laughs> and um, you touched on something that's very pivotal, pivotal, uh, and it really speaks to me as a person of color in recovery, the self-worth and the validation that, mm. and it's like, it was double whammy, like, from a societal point of view, um, it, it was like I had to prove that I fucking belong here just as much as you do. And it was like hard. And I, um, I am third generation Mexican American or Latina third generation. I could trace my roots back. And this is my aunt was doing a, a family history. So I could trace my roots roots back to Spain via Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, both, both sides of my family, were contributors to the Mexican, um, uh, Mexican, uh, oh God, Mexican war, uh, Mm -hmm. for their independence from, uh, Spain. So, uh, so I come from a long line of, uh, rebels, (laughs) uh, uh, activists, 
you know, my aunt's an activist her, herself, and um, we, we've been here, like, before Border Patrol, like, before the border was even, like, exactly. a, big, a, big, a big thing. And mm-hmm. um, it annoys me when <laughs> Caucasian people assume that I speak Spanish and they'll start speaking Spanish to me. And I'll reply back in, in English. And um, so culturally, I have, it's like, you know, let's call a spade a spade. And it's not like exactly what you said, uh, excusing, like ignorant, ignorant behavior. But, um, you know, how, in, in, in navigating the world, like you said, like, how, what are the tools that help you with self-worth and validation? Because from society, it wasn't coming very, very easily. Um, and, and within the family, the alcoholic family itself, it wasn't, uh, my self-worth was very much damaged. And it's, you know, I've been in recovery for 15 years, and it's a daily practice to constantly um, rebuild my self-worth and keep it stable and, and steady. So, you know, what, what has worked for, for you with self-worth and validation? I'm Mark Roman of Mark Roman Empire, also a podcast, and I coined the term Hero Tier. Now, it's a cause. Helping house Venka and Will since December 2019, helping creatives since St. Patrick's Eve 2020. Follow on Instagram at Hero Teargram. Discover more at HeroTier.org. Here or tear, leave no human outside. Well, you, it's, uh, it's, uh, you, you said a lot there. Um, you said a lot. Well, I will tell you when you talked about, uh, when you spoke of, you know, people assuming that you speak Spanish, um, I, I have those incidents that come up frequently um, when in my black vernacular, because that's what I speak, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. folks, you know, and, and, and I hear them. They just already, you know, just try to associate and be familiar. And I get it. I get it. But they'll call me girl. And I'm thinking, first mm-hmm. of all, do you know how many? Yeah, I'm like, do, do I say again with my gray hair, do I look like a girl? Mm-hmm. And what gives you the right to even think that you can say, girl? I don't know you like that. We're just talking to each other, getting in our cars, going home. (laughs) And that is, again, remember I said respect is a big deal. So when you've been called as an African-American at 80 years old Mm -hmm. and a boy by a 12-year-old white boy, Mm -hmm. you know, the girl is like, "Mm mm-mm. But I back up again and I say, you know, I, 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 they're just comfortable. They're just getting familiar. They're trying to speak my language. And I tell you, I really <laughs> love what you said about the Spanish because it's also I recognize where I live, and mm-hmm. I do live in California, and the demographics are such where we do have a largely Spanish-speaking population. Mm-hmm. So I speak some Spanish, mm-hmm. and I see the same way where certain times folks are offended when I try to speak Spanish as if I'm dissing them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
as if I, and I was like, wow, and I, and I got it. So I, once again, this is my expression. I hear myself say that once again, I throttle back. And then there are those who welcome it, and they'll practice with me. And we'll have, you know, and, I, and I'm limited because it goes back to high school, and that was a long time ago. I'm limited, but I enjoy those who are like, yeah, you know, let's do that. So I guess the social cues, I guess, that I pick up, oh, this person's trying to, they think I'm trying to be funny. And I'm not. I'm really trying to connect. And I, so I get that. So, you know, and so that's what I say with that girl. But I'm just like, wait, mm-hmm. do I look like your girl? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So you hit on that. Um, you said something else, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have a reaction to girl. And then I'm like, then first of all, and even that conversation, I'm older than that conversation. That's the other part. Mm-hmm. So even when you are saying girl, you know, I'm like, can you say that to somebody who's 30? I'm not 30. You know what that is. So, yeah, come whew, Lord. So, yeah, I got to really, I got to really thought it back. And then you, it has to mean something else. What was the second part, Veronica? I'm sorry. Uh, validation. Okay, so with those knee-jerk reactions, uh, lately the big language I've been using um, for myself and what I know is true is, you know, finding and building my tribe. That is mm-hmm. essential. That is essential. I am unapologetically black, first of all, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, and, and the, so I'm not trying to pretend like that doesn't matter. I, you know, this whole um, colorblind, one mm-hmm. size fits all does not exist. And I think the beauty of the of the rainbow is all the colors. So, and and, and we and it's and it's a rainbow because of the colors. Uh, but personally, also, I do think that you know, race is a construct of white supremacy. But since mm-hmm. we live in this, then I'm rolling with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. I'm going to call it this. And I used this the other day with someone. They were like, what do you mean? It's a lot of work decentering whiteness and centering my Afrocentricity, my mm-hmm. African-American heritage. And so I, I, I do that. And I go back to this is, this is who your people are. For example, um, with, with, with black folks or in Africa, relationships matter, relationships, people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Eurocentric worldview, um, relationships to things matter more than people. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to get back to, and I say that a lot in my self-talk, people matter. And I'm a people. I'm a person. People matter, not whether or not, you know, you drive a this or what your title is and how educated you are, you know, people. And so part of really what I'm doing is I'm trying to really, really be still and listen, listen to me. And as I'm better able to listen to me, I'm able to better listen to you and realize that even though you know, we live in this society, white supremacy, you know, that, uh, which is fake. Talk about mm-hmm. fake. 
is mm-hmm. fake, you know, but, um, you know, really um, embrace um, decentering that and really embracing the diversity that, that is that is the real world. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's, so um, it's a, it's a constant, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a constant, it's not even a battle, it's work, awareness, um, you know, and, 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 um, and acceptance, once again, and not acceptance in a whole, well, you know, in a resolute way, this is where I am, let me just settle for it, but a richness, a, a, a beauty, a loveliness that goes with that, you know, of who you are, and that's each of us, each of us. I think about the snowflake. They're individuals. You know, no two snowflakes are alike. So, you know, I have a dad. I have a mom. I have some characteristics like my mom. I have some features like my dad. I didn't know him well, the biological. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I'm, but I am me. And so the other thing I think that I'm doing in my current work is there's, there's a couple of people I listen to, and the big movement is towards, you know, legacies, um, you know, what type of ancestor do I want to be? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, so really to just walk in my shoes, Africana. Mm-hmm. I, I, now, that's another thing. And when they, when they do come to me with my, you know, Africana questions, I'm like, right on. I'm, I'm glad you know that about me. You know, I'm glad you, like you saying, I call you for that. Thank you. Instead mm-hmm. of pretending like, you know, no, that's not an issue. You know, sometimes I just get so tired of, you know. Oh, that's, that's the most hurtful, the, the gaslighting of the experience of, of, like, and it's so evident of an alcoholic home, you know, the, uh, that didn't happen and minimizing the minimizing the gaslighting the completely not not acknowledging I don't know what it is what is it about like um, you know the limit like you know we're human we have limited minds so so what you touched on like diversity and and holding and holding space and you know, being a person of color in the recovery community, in the recovery community, um, in communities where, you know, you are the only black person in the meeting. You're, you're probably or one or one or two people of of color, and it's very it's very scary. Um, how how have you, as a person of color, like? advocated holding holding space in not only in your personal recovery but you know um, part of recovery is, is service service work giving giving back and if you're part of a you know a planning committee or 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 whatnot like what are you doing to to speak up to give um, more awareness and attention to to diversity well, I think that really my being there is 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 enough. You know, some I really you know just being there. It's like wow, you know, wow, and to not leave, um, you know. So 
uh, you know, I said I feel kind of proud of, but but at the same time, I don't go around raising my fist right on. You know, I, I just think that my, you know, that's not, yeah. you, I don't need to because you already see me coming. You see me coming, you know. So, um, but um, I think that the, the the big part is is that there is a part of, I'm going to say exposure, transparency, vulnerability that a certain level, and, and that's, you know, no, not all the people that has already kind of leveled the playing field. There's a, a shared, you know, experiences that mm-hmm. really, you know, again, kind of level it. Um, and I'm really just glad because there was a time that in recovery circles that, you know, people of color weren't even allowed in those. I say that, you know, recovery, like everything else, white supremacy mm-hmm. is a, you know, is a um, foundation of the rest of the world. So white supremacy centered on, you know, white, rich, middle-aged men, mm-hmm. period. And everybody else, women, anything else didn't count. So um, so, so the fact that the doors have been open and we're able to sit at the table is kind of enough uh, manna for me to be able to appreciate yeah, you know, um, we're here together because we're all here for the same reason, seeking the same thing and trying, not all, that's a generalized statement, but, you know, trying to get better. So, um, yeah, I, you know, and I think that that's sometimes that I'm, I'm kind of all over the board, but yeah, I'm not a voice, um, I'm not a voice for black people, but I am a voice for my own experience. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and I don't, you know, again, and, you know, and and in some respects, I'm needed. Like when you asked me to do that diversity one, that diversity mm-hmm. panel up there in the, it's like, heck, yeah, I need to go. They need to see this black face. That's it. Just show up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, wow, they do. And I need to see it. That's why, you know, so that's why I'm on this call. Just in the black folks do recover. I have a friend that says, you know, um, women do recover. Black folks recover. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, it's, again, not so much having to push that and get folks to understand because part of it, frankly, is white privilege. But when you, mm-hmm. um, but when you just speak your truth, then that, 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 that permeates. And... Um, so that's kind of where I am. You know, I will tell you that in my long term, been around a while, you know, there were times that I felt a little exploited because in meeting a black face, it felt like people were asking me to, you know, speak all over the place. And after mm-hmm. a while, I was just like, you know what? I'm not Whoopi Goldberg. They would always say, you're so funny. <laughs> I'm like, this ain't, I'm not Whoopi Goldberg, and this ain't no comedy show. You When I went up there and I dropped all my explicitives, however you say it, um, the my mm-hmm. profanity, because mm-hmm. I I knew that this one was like, well, would you come up here? And I was like, first of all, they were too, they were too new to even know that folks would I would not be well received there. It was in like one of the I will call it a high, uh, high. Let me see. Oh, how can I say this anyway? A very wealthy neighborhood. 
And here I right. come rolling up there, you know. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then not only that, and I knew, you know, so she she was fairly new, and you know, I knew that she was kind of like looking for me to, you know, maybe break the ice or something. But mm-hmm. those folks didn't get my humor, and I'll mm-hmm. never forget it. Their heads went back, like, you know, oh my God, do you hear the potty mouth on this person? <laughs> And that was a wake-up call for me just in terms of I'm not saying yes because she was so kind of new that, you know, oh, yeah, if I bring her up here, they'll enjoy her. And they were just like, who have we got? Look look who's coming to dinner. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, oh you God. know, so so I don't say yes to everything. I also, like I said, really just try to tell my truth. Their heads were back on their, uh, I'll never forget, I can see it right now. Their heads were back like, oh, my God, can we please get her off of the stage? (laughs) (laughs) So so I do remember being a feeling a little bit because the funny would always hit me wrong, you know, just in terms, not always, but would hit me wrong because, you know, I do use humor. It, It does soften the blow a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, but the story is real. It's mm-hmm. not it's this laced with laughter, but it's real. And sometimes the laughter is also a cover up for the pain. And so when, you know, and they would say, You're so funny, can you come over here and speak over here? I was just like after, you know, twenty times I, I caught on mm, I'm not this ain't entertainers anonymous. This is not, <laughs> you know no. Entertainers anonymous. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, it's kind of like a delicate, a delicate balance because you know if you are one of the few, if you are, yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're. It's like here's the thing. It's like I've, I've recently had some experiences where you know I'm I'm in Oregon. It's not a very. It's not. It's like you know what it is. It is diverse, but like, like depending where you go, like where I live you know, pretty, pretty diverse, because I'm sort of in a ghetto, and, and like, more people of color are in ghettos more, it's just, you know, how it is, Um, but I don't, I hope, but in terms of accessibility and, like, recovery, it is accessible, it's like, you know, for me, it's like, white privilege is a lie, and if that's, if you're allowing mm. that to stop you from getting your recovery, mm. that's the disease. Mm. Like, you know, mm. maybe white privilege is, yeah. the, is the disease of a symptom. Like, like, you know, drinking is just a symptom of the disease of alcoholism. It's like on the mm-hmm. flip side, being a fa- like affect, affected by alcoholism, like white, white privilege is just a symptom of the disease of, like, our disease, the family and friends um, disease like and it's so easy I mean like I mean I would totally would want to have white privilege as a higher power because things mm-hmm. just came to you so easily mm-hmm. you know it's it's so funny like I'll hear stories of like entrepreneurs like I work so hard I'm like no you didn't you just walked into a bank and they gave you the loan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. we we work hard and you just don't realize it. It's like it's like um, 
you know, you're a fish in the bowl, a fish in a fish bowl, and you're asking the fish, how's the water? I'm like, what water? Mm-hmm. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? And where is God in all this? Um, we're gonna, we're coming close to the end, and mm-hmm. um, so where's where where's God in in all this? Uh, usually, I mean, like in, you know, my Latin culture, I you know, I have a lot of family members who you know they go to church. That's in like church is the thing, and my family wasn't that. You know, we did the Christian thing for like a little bit, but you know, it's we weren't, we didn't, we didn't um, buy in, buy into the philosophy. So I'm, Ooh. I, I find going to twelve step meetings and the meeting rooms like that's a lot more real for me. Mm, right on. And that's where God is. God is in, yes. is, is in those rooms. And yes. Um. So even if, even when I do come across someone in service or someone in the rooms and they're being like pig-headed or you know I'm like oh you're in a blind spot and um, I <laughs> see things more more clearly when it comes to diversity so you know um, and just leaning on to my higher higher power. Mm. Um, what are you like? Where's God? Where's God in your recovery? I'm Mark Roman of Mark Roman Empire, also a podcast, and I coined the term Hero Tier. Now it's a cause. Helping house Venka and Will since December 2019, helping creatives since St. Patrick's Eve 2020. Follow on Instagram at Hero Teargram. Discover more at HeroTier.org. Hero Tier, leave no human outside. Oh, wow, that's a. That's a that's a loaded question. It's a big question. Um, it's um, you know it it, it uh, spirituality, connection, um, spirit. Um, just um, let me see. Flexible, interpretive, uh, fluid. Uh, yeah, I, I say 12-step programs have got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just got it right of your understanding, you know, of your understanding. And so I, you know, and, you know, could and would if thought. So it's, again, I guess it's back to, you know, in defining that for you uh, constantly, mm-hmm. you know, um, constantly. And so... Um, because it's a relationship, you know, and it's for me, it's not, it certainly isn't um, religion, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, it, but in, and, and, and part of my, you know, kind of questioning myself was that of not really being brought up in a formal religion. In fact, you know, um, a family member identified themselves as Baptist about three years ago, and I was thinking to myself, oh, you, you are? You know, um, you know, which because it wasn't in church, they they kind of they kind of follow evangelists on radios and TVs. You know what I mean? But it was not, it's nothing formal, and mm-hmm. so it's um, so it's evolving. It's something that I'm really working with right now. I'm I feel like I'm more. It's quietness. It's listening. Mm-hmm. It's becoming. It's 
um, you know, uh, it's again allowing. It's room. It's room. It's room. Um, you know, so yeah. But I do not prescribe to any particular religion. But I am definitely spiritual. And with that, it's just I'm going to call it connection and listening to the connection, the humanness, and all of that. And that to me is where God lives. Cool. Um, so we're at the end. We're at the end of the podcast. And for those, if if you're listening to this and uh, if you're a family or friend affected by mm. someone's problem drinking, um, and it doesn't mean like, well, we if. If you're not comf- if you're listening to this and you're not comfortable saying that they're alcoholics, but and but you are definitely bothered by their drinking, uh, there are resources that you could go to that's uh, budget friendly. Um, yeah. There there's ACA adult adult uh, child of alcoholics, and these yeah. are all uh, twelve steps. 12 Steps. There's ACA, there's Al-Anon, um, uh, Al-Anon Family Groups. Um, you could check out their website, alanon.org. Um, CODA, Codependence Anonymous, and Naranon, Nar, uh, Naranon for Family and Friends of Addicts. So, um, and then if you go to alanon.org, there's actually 20 questions on their national website. If you read those questions and you identify with them, Alanon might be a good resource for you to look at. It's free. They're anonymous. And there are no dues or fees. Um, you might see a, a, a basket passed around collecting money, but that only goes towards the uh, meeting expenses. And each meeting is different. So if if, there, if you go to your first meeting and you don't like it, go to another meeting. And they're on. Mm-hmm. They have online meetings as well, phone meetings, um, web webinar meetings, or or if maybe getting to face to face meetings aren't feasible, there's definitely online online mm-hmm. um, Al meetings that you could go to. So um, know that you're not alone. And we recover too. So um, I like to thank my guest Monique. Um, are you on Instagram or or Twitter or do you, do you have a website or anything that you would like like to plug? Mm, not at this point. No, not at this point. Um, it's um, no, not at this point. I don't. But uh, what I do, I'll let you know, and maybe you can add it to the uh to your to the show you know oh, later yeah yeah i'll definitely but um, and I, yeah and i just want to say this too about the recovery communities that you spoke of I, I just heard this last night from someone i love dearly they said that that they were told that it may not help your family member but it sure might help you so mm-hmm. the focus is really on you in recovery communities so I wanted to just say that because that was like, wow. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you. And thank you so much, Monique, for sharing 
your recovery story and how you're doing it on a budget. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's not it's like it's not expensive, but it's like really life saving. <laughs> it's, it's a natural support group, natural community support group all over the world. That's the beauty about that. So it is available. Thank you, Veronica, for asking me. I knew we'd get through this with no problem. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everyone. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again. Bye. Thank you, Veronica. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Trying to get wet, I was dry as a bone. Thirsty ground.